What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Rhiannon Boardman on the episode today. She's got her Starbucks in hand. I've got <laughs> my my coffee. We are ready to go, Rhiannon. I'm just going to throw it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I'll start while everybody starts, <laughs> which is with my husband. So I met him um, in the fall of 2007 while I was in college for perinatal nursing. And, um, or sorry, not for perinatal nursing. That's what I'm doing now for um, pre-health science. And we sort of got together fairly quickly, became really close friends. And yeah, we moved out in that January of 2018 and um, it sort of got very serious <laughs> very quickly. And we got a dog and like did all that silly stuff. And took a trip out to Alberta, um, which was sort of coined by some friends of ours as like the make it or break it challenge because we went for a month on a road trip. And everyone sort of joked around like, well, if you guys don't come back from this and hate each other, <laughs> then it's probably meant to be. <laughs> and funny enough, I found out later um, that he was going to propose on that trip. But because it got coined as that, he decided not to. Um, so he waited. I know. So he waited till that Christmas and proposed then. So we got engaged Christmas 2009 and got married the following August of 2010. And then, so I was in school at that point for nursing. And um, one of my girlfriends, who I've been friends with for like ever, she asked me, she was expecting her first daughter. And um, I went with her to the hospital for her to have her daughter. And she kind of like, did things a little unconventionally than what I ever thought that I would want. And she had midwives and she did like an unmedicated birth and watching her do that was like, I don't know. It like changed my whole perspective on motherhood. <laughs> and soon after that, I was like, okay, Chris, we need to have a baby, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous that that sort of prompted it all. But I, always had this idea in my head that I would have like two kids and that would be enough. And, um, we ended up having four. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then after we got pregnant with Jonathan, which is the, the baby that we, that we lost. And, um, so yeah, all my four pregnancies kind of went, um, tickety boo. I didn't really, there was nothing like major that sort of stood out with all of them. Um, between my second, um, and my third, uh, sorry, my, th sorry, I'm just thinking here, my third and my fourth, actually, I had like a false, I thought it was a false positive, but then I found out later that it was probably just like a chemical pregnancy. Um, mm -hmm. my doctor was like, no, like those tests are pretty accurate. So <laughs> if you got a positive it was probably positive but then I had like a missed period there like 
um, I think it came like two weeks late or something. Um, and yeah, so other than that whole thing, it was like fairly normal. And, uh, but then I was having like after my fourth with Griffin, um, I sort of started piecing it together. Like I was fine. And then I got my period and after like a year and then all of a sudden I just started going like absolutely wacko. And I started, it was like really anxious all the time. And Chris was wondering like what was wrong with me. And I just, it almost was like postpartum depression, which I had with the other three. I'm putting air quotes on that because looking back on it, we're not really sure if that's actually what it was. And so I was, after we had Griffin and that happened, I went to my doctor and was like, you know, I think something else is going on here. Like I've been fine. And then all of a sudden I got my cycle back and I've been like going crazy and like having some really weird, deep, dark thoughts and stuff. And um, so we actually started the process of um, testing my hormones because she thought maybe I had like an estrogen dominance thing happening. And so I didn't get that far. Um, I was like in the process of doing the blood work and stuff. And then we got um, a positive uh, pregnancy test in March of this past year, like 2019, which was a total shock because Chris and I weren't exactly planning it. I mean, we know how it happens. <laughs> so, but it wasn't like a, a we're going to have like a fifth baby. We were kind of felt like we were, well, at least I felt like I was done. Um, but then, uh, yeah, then we found out we were pregnant and it was, took me a while to like wrap my head around it. And, uh, which seems strange, like after having, for me, it seems strange after having four, um, that I would like have be like freaked out about having a fifth, but I didn't know anybody else that had five kids. So I was like freaked out. And I knew that there were like most of our family members, they weren't really um, like supportive of us having this like crazy family. They, I had a lot of really negative comments about it um, when we finally did tell everybody that we were pregnant with number five. So it was, um, it was kind of like a hard thing for me to get through that way. Um, but I did call the midwives right away like, as soon as I got that positive. Like, it was such a surreal thing. Like, I was, like, super excited but then also super scared at the same time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even telling Chris, like, I sort of waited um, a couple days to tell him. And then I finally did tell him. And then it was, like, why was I so scared? Because he was actually really excited, too. <laughs> and we just sort of started planning everything, you know, like we, we live in a, a three bedroom house. So our kids are already sharing bedrooms. So we were like trying to figure out like, okay, where are we going to put everybody? <laughs> Who's going to sleep in the baby's room? But then we were, I don't know, like the, the, our van, like our van can't hold five kids <laughs> with car seats. And they're all um, like eight and seven Avery's five, Riley's three, and then Griffin, my little guy, is, is one in a bit. So they're all in, like, boosters or car seats. So we're like, okay, we're going to have to get a new van. So we started, like, planning all that stuff. And then um, in April, we had uh, a trip planned to go to Great Wolf Lodge with the kids. 
And I called ahead and I like had them uh, bring like balloons and like a baby onesie that said baby bear on it and some like other cute little things um, to the room so that when we got there, uh, the kids would, we would like surprise the kids and tell them they were having a new sibling. And it's so funny because (laughs) my kids love having a big family. And they love having so many siblings and they're constantly like squishing my belly and being like, when are you going to have another baby? (laughs) And they all just like, well, Griffin, they're like over, over the moon with him. They're such great siblings to all of like (laughs) to the two little ones. And now, um, sorry, that cold's coming in. And uh, yeah, so we, we told them about it and they were all super, super excited kind of confused Aiden my oldest one was like is this an April Fool's joke because it was on April 1st which we didn't really like we didn't plan it that way it oh, that's happened so that way funny. yeah but yeah he was um he's like are you guys joking like is this is this supposed to be like funny like it's not very funny <laughs> <laughs> we were like no no we're we're telling you the truth like you're gonna have a new baby brother or sister and so they were over the moon and we took this like super goofy photo and of us on the couch and they are, they're all holding their balloons and we're all making these silly faces and uh, pointing to, I had the onesie on my belly and we, so we sent that picture out to everybody to like announce that we were pregnant. And um, so I was about, I guess, four weeks along at that point. And um, normally like with the other pregnancies, I would have like told everybody right away. Cause I'm not one of those people that just like has to, I don't like, I don't have to wait till the end. And I, I sort of came to terms with that when we were pregnant with Aiden, Chris sort of said something to me like, well, you know, if like, why do people wait until the end of the third trimester? And I was like, well, I mean, I guess in case something goes wrong and then like, they don't want to share that they've had a loss. And he says, well, you know, do you want to do you want to go through that by yourself and like not having any support? And I was like, no. So he's like, then why not just share your joy now? So I was like, that's a good point. But so I did that with the other pregnancies, but then like this one, it was like, I kind of felt like I needed to keep it to myself a little more. So then when we did announce it, um, that was like a, a weird thing, like being like further in than before. And um, Wait, so how far along were you at this point? Um, it was like, well, so we're not hundred percent on the dates, but I'm thinking it was probably, um, I was between four and six weeks cause they changed the dates on me later on. Okay. Um, but like normal with my other, the, with my, so Aiden, I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was like seven weeks long. So whatever we told okay. everybody then with the other ones, I hadn't even missed my period yet when I got a positive okay. test. So I just sort of told like my close friends and family right off the bat, like I was mm-hmm. only like a, a month pregnant, right? Yeah. But with this one, I waited and like I waited, I think it was four days to tell Chris even. And then it was two weeks before we told the kids. Okay. And so yeah, wait, it was so probably about you... six weeks. Okay. I was like, wait, four weeks. That's like usually when you find out you're pregnant. Yeah. No, 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 no. I was about six weeks. Okay. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. I was about six weeks, probably coming up to seven, I guess. I thought maybe in in Canada it was like different. No, 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 no. That was my bad. (laughs) That was my bad. 
um, yeah, so told everybody had some really positive, like, yays, and then some other, like, again, <laughs> and yeah, uh, that was, it was kind of weird with that experience, um, and yeah, so with, um, with my fourth pregnancy, I had, like, some weird gut issues going on, and so this time I decided, um, I'm just gonna take things into my own hands here, and, like, not wait for something to come up and I'm just going to go see my naturopath. So I went to her and I started like making sure I had like my, like all my health was in order. So we did like blood work and all that sort of jazz and, um, went through that like whole ring of morale of like trying to figure out where I was at health wise. And then, sorry, I'm just trying to figure out I had like notes written. Like you told me yeah. to do. <laughs> oh, it's so hard to keep track of everything without it. It's like yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like timelines, crazy pants. Okay, anyway, um, yeah. So I went to go see the naturopath, and so that was fine. I was feeling good. I started getting nauseous, um, but still super anxious. Like it was really hard to like get that out of my head, and um, so I. I was thinking, well, you're just afraid because it's like a fifth baby and you're like sort of in over your head here. (laughs) And so I started like researching um, like other families. I don't really have any close friends that have five kids. And uh, so I started researching like other moms, like on like their blogs and stuff. And um, I was like, okay, Rhiannon, like gave myself a pep talk. Like you need to put on your big girl pants here and like buck up. And like, this is <laughs> going to be a challenge, but like, you're going to do this. And um, so I kind of like, it took me a while, but I came to terms with it and was like super stoked and sort of getting really excited and was like, you know, I'm just going to prep ahead. So we like got car seats early, a car seat early. And I started getting baby clothes together and like, I went and got, um, like a maternity, like secondhand a maternity lot. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to get big pretty fast. Cause with the other ones, like I pop pretty, pretty soon after like the second trimester. So I started like thinking oh, if I just plan ahead, then it won't be so stressful near the end. And then, um, so we did our, our 11 week ultrasound on May 11th. And, um, that came back fine. I did like the IPS screen and everything was good. You know, saw his little, his little self like bopping around on the screen there. And that was really awesome. And we brought Griffin with us and he was like baby at the screen, which was really cute. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, it was like still kind of weird. And the night, so that was fine. And um I had a, I have a girlfriend from work. She was two weeks ahead of me and, uh, she was finding out what she was having. And so we were kind of like talking on and on about, you know, um, how her pregnancy was going and like how my pregnancy was going. And she was like sharing belly photos with me and stuff. And I kind of started to realize like, well, maybe I'm just not eating enough. Cause like my, I wasn't really like getting big, like I normally would have. <laughs> And, um, so that was sort of like my first indication that, um, like that maybe something was going wrong, but I 
kept trying to just push it to the back of my head, like, oh, you're just freaking out for nothing. <laughs> it's no big deal. And um, maybe maybe it's just going to be a smaller baby sort of thing. And um, then I went for a midwife appointment and um, I had uh, a urine sample done. So they found out that I had groupie strep in my urine. So um, here, I don't know if it's the same there, but they um, they said that I would have to have, because of that, I would have to have antibiotics while I was delivering baby, which kind of freaked me out because then I knew I was going to be hooked up to an IV. And um, with, with Aiden, I had, um, I was hooked up to an IV because I went into labor early with him. I was 36 weeks and um, I wound up um, having to have Pitocin and like all this stuff. And it just sort of started this like crazy cascade at the hospital. Um, and he ended up in the NICU because of it. So after that, I decided I was going to have home births. So I was, I had three home births and then, um, so with this one again was planning a home birth. And so I was like, well, how does that work out with me, um, having an IV at home? And they said, don't, don't worry. Like we can, we can do it from home. It's not a big deal. You just need to do some antibiotics and, and we're, we're going to try and get rid of it. So, Okay. So we start rounds of antibiotics. I did one round of one type and then did a urine sample, came back. I was still positive. So then they switched me to another one. And um, that one, I was like just finishing up that, that round. And then I was, I was about 18 weeks along um, at that point. And, oh, I should add in too that between this whole thing, I was, like I said, I was an, I'm a nurse and I work on a medicine unit. And one of uh, the patients that I had was taking a medication for rheumatoid arthritis that has what is called teratogenic effects. So like it can affect the fetus and it was unmarked. This, there was like no indication that this patient was on it. And I got like halfway through my shift and found out that that he was on this medication. So my educator switched to me assignments, which was awesome. And I hadn't really had any interaction with him. Like that was unsafe. So I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and went on from there. And then that, <clears throat> sorry, that Friday. So that was like the 14th, I think of June. Um, was sitting in my car waiting for my kids to get out of school and no frills, which is a grocery store here, had like a, uh, a customer appreciation day and they were giving out free hot dogs. So I was like, <laughs> I'm making a hot dog. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my car and I'm eating a hot dog. And I, like I said, I was like 18 or I guess I was 16 weeks there and been waiting for this baby to like give me those first like kicks and I'm like waiting 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 and I'm eating this hot dog and all of a sudden it happened and I was like oh my god that's the baby like there's no if ands or buts about it like that's that was baby kick and so I like text my husband and um I tell him like baby likes hot dogs <laughs> and so that became like a running joke for the next couple of weeks that this baby like loves hot dogs and so I went back and got a second one thinking, well, maybe if I keep eating hot dogs, the baby will keep kicking. <laughs> but I didn't feel it again. That was it. It was just 
the one. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then on, then on the, I, like that weekend I went out and I got like fresh maternity clothes and started feeling like, okay, this is the real deal now. Like I'm, I can feel the baby, like I'm good. The second trimester can commence now. And um, so yeah, I hit the second trimester and was like, I'm feeling really good, but I don't really feel pregnant. And uh, so like started noticing that my, my belly was getting like the weirdest thing. It was like sort of like squarish and like saggy looking like it didn't look like a, like a full pregnant belly anymore. And again, was like, you're, you're, you're just thinking crazy thoughts and you're in the second trimester. Like this is when you're going to start feeling better. Like it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then went to my, uh, I had my 18 week appointment with my midwives on June 26th. And so we're there, we're talking. I had my two little ones with me. Um, the other two were at school and <clears throat> so we get to the appointment. Um, they do my blood pressure. That's fine. Um, which like talking about like how I'm feeling and you know whether or not I felt baby. And I was like, well, actually, you know, I'm pretty sure I felt them last Friday, but I haven't really felt anything since now that you've mentioned that. And, um, so she said, okay, well, why don't you lie down and we'll, we'll get the Doppler out and, um, see if we can find baby in there. And with, with my fourth pregnancy, I had an anterior placenta. So it was like in the front and, um, I didn't feel Griffin move till I was about 20 weeks. Actually, it was closer to 21 weeks. And so I kind of was just thinking, well, maybe my placenta's in the front this time. And um, so she's searching around, searching around, and um, can't find anything. And she's like, you know, do, do you want me to get in one of the other midwives and, like, take a double check? And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. So she was going to call in my other midwife that actually delivered um, two of my other babies. and. Um, so I took, took my daughter to the bathroom. She was doing a pee dance and came back um, to the room. Well, she had to go for a meeting, so I'm just going to try again. So I said, okay. We sat there, or lied there, and she searched around, searched around, searched around, and like the longest six minutes of my life happened. Um, I'm really sorry, Rhiannon, but we can't find a heartbeat. So our suggestion is, um, you know, because this is the first time this has ever really happened, um, we want you to go to the hospital and have an ultrasound and get, get things double-checked. So then, they, you know, they asked me all the questions, like, have you had any bleeding? Have you, um, are you having any cramping? Like, all that sort of stuff. And no, nothing. So I uh, took my two kids in the car drove to the hospital which is like five minutes away and called my husband and was like um he he was home with the kids now at this point and from school and was like well you know we can't midwives couldn't find a heartbeat so I need you to come to the hospital with me because I'm freaking out and I can't do this by myself and I've got the two kids with me so we need to come up with a solution here so he dropped my kids off with uh my girlfriend Lindsay and she's got um, four boys herself, and um, they're having a ball over there. And then I asked my mom to come to meet me at the hospital, 
um, to come get my two little ones and take them back to the house. So Chris came and met me. I, I went to the park for a little while and like just sort of tried to chill out, like don't panic, like maybe this is just a false alarm. But I think deep down I kind of knew what was happening and um, you just have that like sense about it, you know. And um, so, yeah, Chris gets to the hospital. We go in, we check in. We get put into an emergency, one like one of the rooms in the emergency department. Meet with the doctor. Um, the nurse we had was absolutely amazing. Um, she sort of came in, was like really gentle about it. You know, I'm really sorry. Um, the the couldn't get us a private room so there was like another couple in there at the time but of course I'm like starting to go into panic mode now that I'm in the hospital and so the doctor comes in and like says to us you know we can do a bed, we can do a bedside ultrasound and um but they're not super accurate and he's like I'm I'm trained in it but I'm not an ultrasound technician so He's like, we can try here if you want, or we can just go straight down to the ultrasound department and have one done. And I said, um, looked at Chris, and we decided that we would just do, um, which is do the bedside one. And so I lied, and they put on, and he's moving the thing around, and my eyes closed, and it was very quiet. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm like sort of waiting to hear the heartbeat and I like open my eyes and look at the screen and there's my 18 week old baby just lying there and totally still. There's no movement. And uh, I just kind of like, I just knew like right then and there that, that he had gone. We didn't know whether or not we were having a boy or a girl, by the way. Um, and so I just sort of closed my eyes and like kept thinking like, this is a bad dream. Like this isn't actually happening. And um, so they said, you know, I'm really sorry. Like I, I'm, I'm not finding a heartbeat and it doesn't look like there's much fetal movement. Um, but I don't want to say that this is it. So we're going to take you down to the, um, to the ultrasound sound and have them double check so we got up and we walked down and uh it was the same ultrasound technician that did my 11 week appointment and um so I was like lying there and the first time she was really chatty and um like asking me all sorts of questions we had like lots of conversation happening and this make eye contact with me and so I like I was like I think you're the tech that did my appointment last time and she's like yeah yeah I am and then didn't say anything else and so I kind of was like oh this is this is different than last time so I like grabbed my phone I was like I hope you don't mind but I'm gonna like zone out for a minute here and she said yeah don't worry I understand and um so I was like on my phone then all of a sudden it sort of dawned on me like I need pictures. I need pictures of my baby. So I put my phone down and I looked at her and I said, can you, can you take some pictures for me? And she's like, well, with this like 
totally deer in the headlights look on her face. <laughs> um, well, I'm not really taking pictures of the baby. I'm taking pictures of parts of the baby. And I was like, oh, um, can you take some pictures of the baby? Because yeah. I'd like to have some <laughs> pictures of the baby. And um, she's like, oh, okay, well, like, yeah, I'll do my best. And I was like, oh, this isn't like my other ultrasound, is it? And she's like, no. And she just sort of like turned the screen a little bit more towards her and like, got comfortable and then we just sat in silence for like another five minutes while she finished everything up so I went down back down to the emerge she said you know the doctor will talk to you about the results and so I'm back down and was talking to Chris and I was like we've lost the baby the, the baby's baby's gone <laughs> and um he just sort of sat with me and held my hand and my mom showed up. My kids are still with me at this point. Um, my mom showed up and took them outside. And, uh, so we're in, in the department, in the emergency department and Chris stepped out to go help my mom with the stroller. And the doctor came back and realized I was by myself and was like, um, so we have the results. And I was like, can we wait till my husband comes back? <laughs> So he's like, yeah, sure, 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 sure. So he left and he comes back and then Chris is there. And uh, so he tells us, you know, I'm really sorry, but um, there's no heartbeat and um, there's no fetal movement. So unfortunately, yes, your baby has passed away and was like, we never see this this far along because I was, I was supposed to be 18 weeks. and. Um, then started asking me all the same questions that the nurse, the midwives had asked me at the clinic, like, you know, if you had any bleeding and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, no. So he's like, um, I'm going to set you up with the, with the on-call OBGYN and he's going to come in and talk to you and sort of walk you through like what the next steps are here. So, um, Dr. Shears came in I say his name because he's probably the most amazing person I've met in my entire life. And um, he like really changed my perspective on OBGYNs all over again. Because <laughs> my first experience with them, with, my, with Aiden was so bad. And then, so I sort of renounced them as like, I never had an OBGYN again, but this man was amazing. And he was so compassionate and sat there and walked me through and listened to all of my random questions because as a nurse I have a gazillion really technical science <laughs> sciencey questions I have to ask so he they basically said you know the, the the protocol for this sort of situation and with his experiences that he would do a mesoprostal induction um, and that he's had great success with them at this stage and so I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like you, you're saying I have to deliver the baby. And he's like, yep, that's the best way of going about it right now. And, um, which is a strange thing. I was super mad about it. Um, and was like, sort of like, why, why are you going to make me wait to do this? Like, why can't we just do this now? Um, but he said that in his experience, he, 
he prefers that um, the moms go home and sort of like talk to their family and spend some time with the like what's about to happen and just like um, have some time to sort of mull it over I guess and um, in retrospect I'm like really happy that he did do that and sent me home um, because I can't imagine like just going through that in the shock of it all and then like delivering a baby and all that sort of stuff so we um we went home and he said you know if if anything starts happening in the meantime, just come straight to the hospital. Um, but chances are, you know, you're, it's been, so the ultrasound showed that he had passed away at 16 and a half weeks. So um, strangely enough that that lined up almost perfectly with the date where I was 99% sure that I felt my baby move. And um, so we, I, I think that that was like, his first hello and his last goodbye for me. Um, and so we went home and talked to our family and like our close family told my close friends that knew we were expecting. And um, I called my dad and uh, my dad is not, he's a very loving person and a very caring person, but he's sometimes can be very blunt about stuff. So, um, I called him and told him what was happening and it was my brother's birthday that day actually. And, uh, we were supposed to have a birthday party for him on the weekend. I was going to meet up with them. And so I said to my dad, um, you know, I'm not going to make it on the weekend for the party. And he's like, Oh, like why? And I said, well, dad, I, I have to deliver the baby. And he's like, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's like, you're carrying around a dead thing. Oh, goodness. Right? And um, it's funny because, like, I wasn't wasn't shocked that he said that. Yeah. That's just my dad. But it, like, really, like, stuck with me for, like, a day and a half. And I just couldn't get that phrase out of my head. Like, I'm carrying around my dead baby. And I started thinking, like, it was weird. I, like, started sitting there thinking about, like, ancient Egypt and like sarcophaguses and like tombstone like tombs and stuff like what they used to do in that like back then and uh so we were sitting we hadn't told the kids yet and uh we were sitting at the breakfast table and it was that was the last week of school and um so it was the the kids last day of school and uh, we were sitting at the table Chris and I and I was like I really just I just need to get this out here um something's really bothering me and I couldn't stop crying. I was like a to- just a total mess. And um, Chris is like, okay, so like, talk to me about it. And I was like, what dad said to me the other night. And he's like, what do you mean? That I'm carrying around a dead thing. Like all I can think about is sarcophaguses. Like I'm, I'm like a walking sarcophagus, Chris. And uh, he's like, look, Rhiannon, this is, this is the way I see it. Um, we, we like to go camping. We do a lot of like, well, we did a lot of backcountry camping before the kids were born and right, like pretty outdoorsy people. And he's like, Rhiannon, we, we go camping. We go camping with the kids. And um, we're out like in the middle of nowhere, like in Algonquin Park, there's like no cell reception, nothing. Something happens to one of the kids and, um, and 
like something horrible happens and like what what would we do and i was like i don't know like what, like what do you mean and he said well are we going to leave them there and i was like no he said so what are we going to do and i said we'll pick them up and bring them like bring them somewhere bring them to safety and he's like yeah exactly we're just going to carry them for as long as we need to for as long as it takes until we can get somewhere safe and he's like that's just all you have to do here and you just got to you just got to carry the baby until we can get them somewhere safe and so i kind of like broke down and cried and it was like this really beautiful horrible thing that i now have to be brave and just carry my baby into the world and um just the same as i did with all my other ones it's just a little different this time so that night or the next day we told the kids and um i was really worried about that and uh because especially with my eldest he was so excited that we were having another kid he was going to have another sibling and another baby to look after and um so we sat them all on our trampoline in the backyard and was like um and told them the baby had passed away and you know he got welled up with tears and was like what like I was so excited to have a new baby and they just died and why and like what do you say sorry like we don't know buddy like sometimes it just happens and so he had a little cry and was like that sucks and my daughter my five-year-old she's hilarious she turns to me and she's like, that's okay, mommy. Like you and daddy love making babies. We'll just make another one. And like, what do you say to that? <laughs> so, like, well, yeah, maybe, but I, right now we're just gonna, like, we're just gonna worry about this situation. And uh, so they sort of handled it a lot better than I had anticipated. Um, but I mean, they were, they were sad. There was a conversation about it for the next few days. And so then on the, the Saturday, on the 29th, um, we went in to the hospital. I spent the morning by myself at the beach and just like walked around and was like talking to my belly and like trying to connect with them still. And um, it was weird. I, I was there so early in the morning. There was like so many little families because it was like, like late spring um there or where we live and uh so there's like all these like baby ducks and like mommies with their babies like teaching them how to do stuff and I just sort of sat there and watched these ducks for like an hour and a half just this mom teaching her baby ducks how to dive (laughs) in the water which was strangely therapeutic and um so went to the hospital um and oh I should also probably add in, we decided that we were going to um, have the baby cremated. And uh, so Chris had called the funeral home and stuff and we were set that up and we decided the funeral home actually was like, you know, we don't make caskets that small. So um, Chris was like, well, can I make it? And my husband's a contractor, so he's pretty handy that way. So he um, started making plans to uh, make his little casket. And uh, so we went to the hospital, we went to the labor and delivery unit, and um, they asked me if I wanted to um, be on the 
like in the same area because there's like two other birthing moms there and they're like you know you might you might hear noises and stuff like we're not really sure how that's going to make it more difficult for you and I was like no actually you know that's strangely um strangely I, I actually I think I want to stay here I, I think it's it's comforting hearing other moms birthing their babies and so we stayed on the unit and um so it was about 1.30, I guess, they started the induction. So they use this little pill, and they pop it up against your cervix, and it is supposed to, like, like, basically it just starts your uterus, like, to contract, and it just doesn't stop. Like, it's not like like labor where it, like, starts and stops. It's It just starts, and it doesn't stop, and it just feels like like a really bad period. And, um, so they kept sort of like prompting me about how it was going to feel like, but I guess I was sort of anticipating it was going to feel like going into labor and, um, but that didn't happen. So that was like four hours later, I still wasn't even having any cramping at all. And, um, I, every time I just started getting like really discouraged, like I can't do this and I would just close my eyes and. I would just think about what Chris had said, like, I just have to carry this baby. So I would visualize myself walking down this path in the forest, holding, holding him and just, just putting one foot in front of the other. And like one point I was like really having a panic attack and actually was like moving my feet, like as if I was walking, like <laughs> just closing my eyes, trying to just be brave and just keep going and um so four hours went by they gave me another another pill and um we went out for a little walk my doula and I I'm so glad I got a doula in that situation I, I didn't really want one initially and then one of my midwives was like you know it's pretty amazing that all these people are like stepping forward to offer their support and it just sort of dawned on me like I should probably take this <laughs> So I got a doula and um, she sat with me and we went for a walk and we just sort of talked and whatever. And I started feeling a little crampy. So we went back to the room and I went to the bathroom and that was when I first started seeing blood. And uh, so it was kind of like a weird thing. It was like before with my other pregnancies, you know, where you're in labor and like things start happening and, seeing some like bloody show was like a good sign that your cervix is opening up and then this time it was like I saw it and I just panicked I was like holy shit like this is happening now like this is it's go time and I don't know that I'm ready to do this so I just sort of plopped myself on the bed and was like I'm bleeding told them so I said okay well that's good like things are moving along and then the cramp started getting like heavier and it felt like a really horrible period. And I started passing all these clots. And so it was like every time a clot came out, the nurse would come in and check and like sift through it. And she said to me, you know, that's, that's what it'll feel like when the baby passes. And actually they kept, they kept saying the fetus and I actually was like, can you stop calling my baby a fetus? Like it's, it's a baby. 
and I'd appreciate it if we said the baby instead of the fetus or fetal contents or whatever your terminology is. And um, so, yeah, I I kept throwing these clots and um, still like sifting around. There's no baby. And then, so I was sitting on the bed and my midwife came in and was talking to me and um, my doctor came in too. And uh, I was like, just sort of talking to them about how amazing it was that you know, I was here and I was like, strangely grateful that, um, that I was getting to experience it um, the way I was experiencing it. And I was there and, you know, the other moms had had their babies. So I was like hearing these other babies in the other rooms crying. And um, yeah, I felt, I felt grateful that I was still getting to experience that. And I think that was the nice thing about having home births for me is that I sort of, it was like a spiritual thing for me to, um, to give birth. And so I was trying to, trying to do that, delivering this baby as well. And, um, it was just focusing on being grateful for what I had my 18 weeks with him. And, um, so then as I'm talking about this, I was like, I'm feeling a little funny. And I was like, oh, my vision's going. Oh, I'm passing out. And away I went and uh, woke up. I was upside down in the bed. And uh, they had like moved the bed upside down. And I heard Chris's voice saying, babe, babe, babe. And uh, woke up and was like, really loudly like what happened (laughs) did I pass out and everybody was like yeah yeah you passed out so then the doctor comes in and was like you know I think we need to switch gears here and originally they were gonna maybe start a a Pitocin drip because my cervix wasn't opening up and they he thought maybe the because the baby was so small that it wasn't putting enough pressure on my cervix to push the baby out and um or to open up my cervix so I could deliver the baby um so they were like sort of starting to prep me for that but then because I passed out they decided not to go that route and um we knew there was a possibility that I might have to go for like a DNC but I was really hoping not to have to go that route and uh but now he's like look you know this is your life now Rian and like um we need to we need to you're at danger, you're in danger now. So we need to, um, we need to get the baby out so that you can, you can be safe. And so I signed all this paperwork and I remember signing the paperwork. And that one of the things I had to sign off on was like in the event that my uterus ruptured, that they would like do a hysterectomy. And like, it's weird. Like in that moment, I was like, well, shit, like, just, just take it out then because I still have four other babies that I need to be a mom for and seeing the look on my husband's face was like he sort of sat there with me for like, while we were getting prepared to go to the OR and uh that look on his face like I never want to see that look again like it was it was the look that you give someone when you may not never see them again or ever see them again. And uh, it was kind of horrifying. And um, so I signed the paperwork and we got prepped to go down to the OR and the doctor came in and like gave me one last like 
sort of pep talk of what was going to happen. And he thought that maybe what was happening was that the baby was transverse um, in my uterus. So it's like, like instead of being up and down, he was side to side, like lying across the bottom. And my uterus, because of the medication, had contracted so much that it was like not he was there and it wasn't allowing my uterus to like go down to size. So there was all this back pressure happening because of the blood because the placenta had let go. And so he was like, you know, we're worried for two reasons. One, you're hemorrhaging. So that's a problem. And two, there's all this back pressure in your uterus and your uterus could rupture. So we need to get you in. And that's why we're doing this. And um, so I said to him, like, like, please, please keep the baby intact because I need to see him like do your best to keep him intact because I need to see him so we go wheel him down we wheel down to the OR and I remember lying down on this like so cold table and they like strap you down and whatever knocked me out and I remember coming to in the um, recovery room and the nurses are talking to me and so I was asking about Chris and like, then he came in and told me or came in and sat with me for a bit. And, um, I asked him cause he got to see the baby and I was like, did you get to see him, the baby? And he says, yeah. And I said, so did we have a boy or a girl? And he said a boy. And I just was like over the moon because so like after we got back from great wolf lodge, we were sort of sitting around the dinner table as a family and just, it just sort of occurred to us that we needed to have a conversation about names. And I asked him about his grandfather who had passed away, like before I had met him and um, what his name was. And uh, his name was John Thomas. And we have this thing with our kids, like um, our boys, their names end with N like an in in. Mm -hmm. and the girls end with um, like an E sound at the end, Avery and Miley. So I was like, well, awesome. Like, what if we call, like, name the baby Jonathan Thomas after your grandfather? And so both of us were like, that's it. And we'd never chosen a name that soon. Like, normally it's, like, last minute. And, um, but that was, that was the name. And it stuck. And it's, it's funny, like, somewhere along the line, someone told me, I don't know how the conversation came up, but they were like, um, you know, babies choose their name and it's just your job to listen. And, uh, so it's like sort of funny that in that moment, like we had a son and he told us his name like super early because he knew that we were, he wasn't going to be around till the end. And so it was like very surreal. Like, Oh, I have a son. I have another son. So we went back to the room and I got to see him which was amazing. And I'm so glad that I did that. And it was hard um, because it looked as though uh, we didn't do any testing and stuff because they said if we did the testing, we wouldn't be able to like keep his remains. Um, so we opted out of that. Uh, but the doctor told us that um, it did appear like his organs might've been developing on the outside of his body. Um, so in that sort of situation, what can happen is their, his intestines might have like twisted up and then like cut off circulation. So they think that that's probably what happened, but it was hard to see. 
you're my little 16 and a half week old baby like that. And, um, but again, like so thankful that I did because I got to still see his 10 little toes and his 10 little fingers. And I've basically ingrained his little face in my memory forever. And uh, we got to take some pictures and stuff, which was nice. And we, the kids have seen them. Um, we were sort of like on the fence whether or not to show them but we thought it was like important to show them both sides like Mm -hmm. there's life and there's death and this is just part of it all (laughs) and um it was it was neat like seeing their reaction to that too and um so because we were not 20 weeks along I don't know if it's the same there but um, here they don't they don't issue like a death uh, death certificate or anything before 20 weeks and so basically what would have happened I guess is they just would have like disposed of him so we were, didn't want to do that and um, so we actually took him with us in the car to the funeral home um, after I recovered I, was, I think I was released like 12 hours later or something um, the DNC went fine and they like got everything out and they did leave a, a small tear in my cervix, which needed some stitches, but um, the doctor said that it shouldn't like impede functioning later on if we ever wanted to try again um, or whatever. So yeah, we took him to the funeral home and then um, that was also very weird taking your baby to a funeral home. And uh, then we went home and, like, tried to just sort of figure out life. And Chris made his casket. We spent, like, hours out in the backyard working on that. This little, like, half foot by one foot casket he made out of, I think it was maple. It was really cute. And then the kids put their, like, they wrote, like, letters and drew pictures and stuff to say goodbye. Yeah. Cute. They, um, with, with our last, with Griffin and with Riley, my kids, the other kids were old enough to like understand what was going on. And like Aiden, he, um, he, he writes these like letters, like all through the pregnancy. Like I had, I think I had two already that he had written for Jonathan. Oh my gosh. Um, that's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he's, he was just so excited. And, um, so they, they put all those in the casket with him and, uh, then the the baby bear shirt that we got from Great Wolf Lodge, and um, I was like so stuck. I think it was that Thursday. I was an absolute disaster. Like I just couldn't stop crying, and um, it was obviously like it was hormones too. But like mostly just I, I was still having such a hard time wrapping my head around like how do I be a mother to to this baby that is not in my arms and I don't know if you there's like there was some article floating around when I was pregnant with Aiden and it was about this like tribe and um the the moms like sing this song it's like the their baby song and it's like they sing them into existence essentially and for that baby like for that person's whole life this song comes up like all their major events like the mom and dad sing it when they're conceiving 
she sing they sing it while they're in labor she sings it for their birthdays it it's sung at their funeral like all their major life events the song is sung and it's like their song and uh i read that article and was like i'm gonna come up with i'm like gonna pick a lullaby and it's gonna be like my kids lullaby so for each of the kids they have like their own lullaby that i like really resonated with me when i was either pregnant with them or like after the fact and um so I was really struggling trying to figure out like how to be Jonathan's mom. And um, all of a sudden it just came to mind, like his lullaby. Like, I never got to chose a lullaby. And so I spent like a couple days sort of like in introspection, I guess, like trying to figure out what to do. And um, I had made this birth, like a playlist uh, for, for him and uh was like adding to it but there was this song by Ruel called I Get to Love You and I used to sing it in the car all the time I'd like rub my belly like sing it to him and um it was I was like that's the song so I like wrote the song down and put it in his casket and that was like I guess my way of like saying goodbye and uh I don't know for me like music is like it like transcends dimensions like I feel like Mm -hmm. it like goes through space and time so if if there's like any hope of me like still having some connection with him like I know you've did like a little mini podcast about like spirit babies yeah I'm totally on board with that and um I've I actually had like a past life regression between um my between Riley and Griffin and uh in in my past life regression hypnosis thing I I met this baby that I didn't recognize from this lifetime and like I guess there's sort of like a part of me that wonders like maybe that was him but um I'm just thinking like with this song with this lullaby like maybe maybe that would like he would hear it even though he's not here so um we still like at nighttime now like when we um when we do bedtime I sing the kids lullabies and we I sing Jonathan's lullaby too so it's uh it's like that's like my little way I guess of keeping him around even though he's not around you know yeah I love that like seriously very beautifully told like your story like the your story and the way you told it like I took so many notes like <laughs> I really did it's weird that I take notes during these episodes but I do <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but some things just really hit home with me and I like to remember them so um I just appreciate all the little nuggets that you threw out there that I think can help a lot of other moms dealing with the same thing and with that being said like what would one piece of advice be for somebody dealing with you know a similar situation um I think yeah for me I think the the like it's a shitty situation it's super shitty and it's it's um it's really hard when you're going through that to like see any like good things but there are good things in your life and there's beauty all around you and you just have to like open your heart to like see that and there's like uh 
the land before time, there was like a, a little quote from there that says, let your heart guide you. It whispers. So listen closely. And that really resonated with me, like in, for this situation, um, just, you know, turn inward and like feel all those things that you need to feel because they're okay. And, you know, you don't have sadness without love and um, like grieving for someone that you really wanted to be in your life. You know, you, you make up this story, like, like you've said this so many times and it's been mentioned so many times, like as soon as you see that positive pregnancy test, like you plan out that entire life <laughs> with that baby. And it's really hard to like, let go of that storyline. Um, and to sort of like accept that, you know, that isn't part of the story anymore um, or that it isn't part of their story anymore necessarily. Um, but uh, yeah, just like turn inward and listen to yourself, listen to your heart, do what feels good. Talk mm -hmm. about it. If that feels good, like don't talk about it. If that feels good, <laughs> like mm -hmm. you just kind of have to, yeah, listen to your heart. Just do do what feels right and absolutely don't, don't be ashamed of that yeah don't let don't let people tell you that how you're feeling is wrong <laughs> yes it's not it's all good <laughs> all those feels are good whether they're good or not feelings are good <laughs> and now if somebody wants to reach out to you is instagram the best way yeah yeah you okay. can link to my instagram perfect so the link will be in the description as always yeah. thank you so much for popping in and sharing your story no worries <laughs> I Thanks for having it. me on. I appreciate it too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.